0: It's Friday, or as I like to call it. Fry yay friends. Here's what's coming up on NSN daily. With Nevada Athletics set to break ground on Wolfpack basketball's new locker room and lounge, we take a look at the top five facilities the department needs right now. We're also getting you ready for game one of the Stanley Cup final as the Vegas Golden Knights look to claim their first Cup, taking on the surprising Florida Panthers.
1: When I think about this, it's been a long time coming, but I will say that it all started actually in Fayetteville, Arkansas.
0: And the leader of Nevada Track and Field is here. Chantel Twiggs stops by before taking her historic 4x400 relay team to next week's national championship meet in Austin, Texas. All that and so much more coming up on a Friday edition of NSN Day. Well hello there and once again happy Fry, yay, friends, alongside Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson, and from our Champion Chevrolet studio, this is NSN Daily, June 2nd. You're staring at a three-day weekend coming up. I am
2: staring at a three-day weekend. We're going up to a concert on Sunday night. It's gonna be a late night, so we're gonna take Monday off. But we'll be back here on Tuesday. All
0: right, back and ready to work. Uh, if you don't know, Chris Murray puts in a lot of work, and that keyboard takes a beating each and every day. So I'm sure the keyboard is looking forward to a three-day weekend as well. All right, plenty to get to here on Daily, including also talk from Game One of the NBA Finals from last night. But we are Going to start with the local basketball teams getting some love today. There will be a groundbreaking on campus in the seven o'clock hour for the Eric and Linda Lannis Center. It's going to be the building. It's going to be locker rooms uh, and lounges for the men's basketball team. Of course, last year we learned about the enormous mm-hmm. donations that the program was able to acquire. So today they're putting shovels in the dirt. Chris. Yeah, this
2: is uh, 15 months since they did announce that historic donation, the four million dollar donation, the largest in Wolfpack sports history. They also got two. Million dollar anonymous donations from two other donors. So $8 million total. They announced February 2022. So, like you said, Shovel Finally in Dirt is uh, expected to be open early 2024. It's going to be a two story building right there in that location next to the Ramon Sessions Performance Center, right in that grassy area. Probably will end up being connected there so they could walk straight from their players' lounges and locker rooms into the practice facility oh, and cool. a huge upgrade for nevada we did have eighty stephanie Remp on the show last week she said they're still raising four million dollars additionally for the project. So it should end up being a $12 million project when all is said and done. And as I wrote on our website, it will put Nevada's basketball facilities up against any in the Mountain West and probably the West Coast. When you talk about, you have your own practice facility, you have a very nice Lawlor Event Center, and now you have a $12 million place just for your players to go and hang out. That's gonna be a huge upgrade for Nevada and it eventually or finally gets started uh, tonight.
0: It's incredible to see some of that video and thinking back when I was on campus and, and also when you attended the university, that was the, our rec center, yeah. Lombardi, right? We were playing <laughs> Our pickup basketball and getting our little workouts in over there. They transformed that thanks to the donation from Ramon Sessions and more. And that has been such a beautiful addition to the program. And now you add locker
2: rooms and lounges, Very something cool.
0: that'll take it to the next I'm level. I'm curious
2: who you dunked on in those intramural runs. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody? No, I
0: never dunked on someone. I did get a dunk once in a pickup game, though. I okay. won't
2: lie. I still remember it. You you had to go against some uh, Wolfpack players. That's the- true, and
0: I actually played on an intramural team that featured Brandon Marshall. Oh, wow. Remember Nick Rhodes, who was a yeah. special teams guy for the Nevada football team? Who else did we have on that team? Trey Session was a wide Trey receiver. Session. He made it
2: to the NFL with the Raiders. And, uh,
0: James Michael Johnson was also Michael, on that that's team. That's three NFL linebacker. players yeah. and you on the team. Yeah, and I got was, one
2: got a ring. James Michael played for four or five years. You were the best player. There.
0: I was like the token like white guy shooter, right? <laughs> so that was my role. I remember I actually hit a buzzer beater to force an overtime game once. Yeah. And uh, we played against teams that had Richard Matthews, I remember. And, Another um, NFL player. Kaepernick would be in there every once in a while. Another NFL player. And then I remember when Armand oh. would, in the offseason would come in. He'd have his headphones on. Armand Johnson. And he Johnson. would just run back and forth yeah. with us. And he would not even listen to anybody. That's an NBA dominate. player. was yeah, <laughs> a little different level
2: right there. But probably some really good memories they did transform that I was like what two or three different courts it was into yeah. one Three length courts. court, so yeah, the facilities are getting better over <laughs> at Nevada. Certainly, <laughs> slowly but surely. But I think you look at basketball; those facilities, once this thing is built, you can't quibble with them. There yeah. are no other needs that they will have moving into kind of the next generation of Wolfpack basketball. So very exciting that they're starting that project. I know the Landis's will be out there. You uh, and our president Brian Sandoval, Stephanie Remp, both the basketball coaches, um, and you know just a very festive and exciting time to continue to push Nevada basketball forward. Again, the the shovels going in the dirt. In the 7 o'clock hour tonight, Friday night on campus,
0: TBD, uh, when it'll actually be all constructed and built, we will have to see. But, of course, that was something that was certainly an emphasis, I know, for Coach Alford, who played a big role in getting a lot of that money. Uh, So excited to see, again, the shovels in the ground. Let's transition now, though, as we talk about facilities, because that has obviously been a hot topic on campus for a lot of years. So basketball is going to get a big upgrade, but there is still a lot of needs within campus. So Chris has compiled a list of Top five facility needs out of the athletic department, uh, starting with number five, an outdoor track only facility.
2: Yeah, so you kind of have that. Around Mackey, there is a track, but I know a lot of people don't like that. A lot of fans (laughs) don't like that. Um, It was recently resurfaced for about half a million dollars, but if they could actually do an outdoor track and field over on uh, where Hickson Park is, the old uh, Bishop Minogue property, they do have some field events for practice over there. I think that would be huge because Nevada track, as we've talked about a lot this week, they've had a a lot of successes but they still uh, are not able to host events either indoor or outdoor so if they were able to get an outdoor track i think that would really help elevate that program and, and take it to the next level um, they do have places to practice but when you can't actually yeah. host meets uh, a little bit harder to recruit
0: and you said it across the street over there near hickson park there's room for that yeah. there's a kind of a dirt track that they'll warm up on and then they have their field events set up over there so there is room to make that happen so that comes in at number five more love for the track team which again is the only team with its season still going, sending the 4x400 squad to next week's national championships. We had an interview with them, you can see at NevadaSportsNet.com, and head coach Chantel Twiggs will be coming up later in this show. Number four, Piccoli. Park, of course, got the nice playing surface, yes. but there could be more done there.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly there can be a lot more done there. I know they're trying to push forward a plan that would move basically the home facility over to the first base dugout, ah. um, and they would, you know, build a locker room. They would build coaches up uh, areas. They'd build indoor batting cages. Obviously, you need that with our winners and basically make that third base line where your traditional home field is, um, you know, a little bit different. So uh, there's a lot of emphasis and money trying to get behind this project to kind of bring Pacoli into the current generation you can't walk from the first baseline down to the third baseline because you have to get out of the stands because it does not fully connect so there's a lot of money that needs to go into Pocoli to make it one of the better facilities on the West Coast I do think that will eventually get done in the next couple of years we've seen some improvements at Hickson Park and I think there's still a lot of work to be done there as well but since they just got a new three million dollar playing surface over at Hickson I want to put Nevada baseball higher on the list and we'll save softball for a little bit further down the road.
0: Slowly but surely as we move now to number three and these are uh, again programs that have had some success recently, especially on the men's side, but an indoor tennis facility would be huge.
2: Yeah, it would be huge because there are no indoor tennis facilities in all of Northern Nevada. So it's not like the teams can go and practice somewhere off campus even. So that is a major, major issue. They did build uh, on campus courts six or seven years ago and those have been really nice for this program. Uh, Men's tennis in particular is a very, very good coach. I feel like if you gave him an indoor facility, you could be the best team in the Mountain West year in and year out. They're one of the only um, teams in the Mountain West without that indoor facility that they have access to. So uh, that's a major project. That's multiple millions of dollars. But if they were able to do that, even if it's just two courts so they can regularly yeah. practice during the winter, I think that'd be big.
0: That's the thing. Some of these programs in the Mountain West they're competing against, they are absolutely great things. weather. Yes. and or, or they already have these indoor facilities. So uh, yeah, that's definitely a need up here in Northern Nevada along some of the same line this team does not have its own area that would be the nevada women's soccer team
2: yeah i think getting a standalone soccer facility would be huge uh... they currently play at mackey stadium they've played over at Moana in the past They want a grass surface. Obviously Mackey is not a grass surface, it does not have permanent lines, it is kind of a makeshift home field advantage, and it's been like that since the program came back in the early 2000s. So could you get a standalone soccer facility, which TMCC, a junior college only a couple of miles away, has? Uh, Could they partner with Battleborne FC, which is trying to build a new soccer-only facility, again only a couple of miles away from campus? They need somewhere where they can call home, uh, you know, and not feel like, okay, we're just kind of visitors no matter where we are. it's practicing at Wolfpack Park, whether it's playing games at Mackey Stadium. This program has struggled more than any on campus and a big reason why is because they don't have their own stadium. So can you get an indoor or an outdoor standalone soccer stadium? I think that would be big for that program and give it actually a fighting chance to have success in the Mountain West. Of course, new head coach, Coach Valentine, trying to take that program to new heights starting
0: this fall. Number one, Probably no surprise, this has been talked about for many years, an all-sport indoor practice facility.
2: Yeah, this is the Well of Nevada Athletics. Like <laughs> yeah. you said, uh, multiple decades, multiple athletic directors, multiple head football coaches. They've all pushed to get this indoor practice facility that would be used by basically every sport on campus probably going for the last 25 years they've been trying to get this they have not been able to get it there's been a variety of different plans there's been a fifty million dollar plan there's been an eight million dollar plan there's been everything in between uh... that is the must get for nevada athletics every other cold weather mountain west school has one of those and had one of those when Nevada entered the Mountain West in 2012. So they are a decade behind in trying to get this. Even more important now with the wildfire smoke that we get in the summer, obviously you have the snow days as well. Nevada football will never be great on a year in year out basis without this facility. So can they get that roughly $30 million to get this done? And they wouldn't have to raise all 30 millions of that. The current plan would be 10 million in private donations, 10 million from the university, 10 million in a new student fee if it was passed. So can Nevada get that $10 million to really try and push this thing forward and get it built? The hope is yes, but I've been around long enough to know. The answer thus far has been no. We'll see if Stephanie Rump can get it done.
0: That's the thing. We're not holding our breath as that push slowly but surely continues for an indoor facility on campus. So there's your top five. Outdoor track, Picoli Park upgrades, indoor tennis facility, a soccer-only facility, and, of course, an all-sport indoor practice facility. All right, coming up next on Daily, I mentioned it. The longtime leader of Wolfpack Track is in the house. We had her historic 4x400 team yesterday. Today, we're sitting down with Coach Chantel Twiggs. My chat with her is coming up next. But first, here's five questions with Nevada quarterback Shane Hillingworth. Brad Pitt. We're both ruggedly handsome. If
2: you had a whole day where you
0: can do anything you wanted, what would you do? Hang out with Eli right here. Nah, I wouldn't do that. Uh, what would I do? Honestly, just play 2K all day. Okay, all right.
1: Do you have a go-to dance
0: move? Not Jack's Leatherwood dance move. I don't have that. Nope. I'm a vet. Nope.
1: What movie or show do you keep re-watching?
0: Honestly, I've never outgrown Ben 10. I'm rewatching that again. so It's back on HBO Max. All right, all right. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm up now.
1: If, if you weren't in your current profession, Playing football,
0: what would you be doing? Something that's like behind a desk, you know, like you just type. Maybe you like coffee for free. Maybe like a bagel station with like a good little cool environment. You just type all day. Probably that. Welcome back to NSN Daily. We are in the Legends Bay Lounge, powered by Circus Sports, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Wolfpack track and field coach Chantel Twiggs as you guys get set to go back to Nationals. The 4x400 team for the first time in Wolfpack history will be on the national stage. That's just an accomplishment in itself, obviously. How proud are you, coach?
1: Oh, I'm beyond. I'm over the moon, (laughs) as one might say. Yes, it's, um, you know, when I think about this, it's been a long time coming, but... I will say that it all started actually in Fayetteville, Arkansas. When me and Emily, you know, not making out of the first round of the preliminary round last year, and she turned to me and she said, next year I just, I want more people with me, I want my teammates with me, I want a relay to get here. And um, we talked about it, we talked about it with the team, and we have been working hard all year long to accomplish these goals.
0: And it's incredible to think they reached this, uh, as you're seeing video of that West preliminary meet in Sacramento last weekend. They shaved what was it, two seconds off of their best time, which was also a school record itself. I don't think, I mean, two seconds seems quick, but that's that is a significant amount of a time to shave off of what was already a school record. How do you explain their performance to get them here?
1: Um, well, I will say this much that you know we kind of got late to the party this season, okay. much later. Um, due to various reasons from injury, illness, to weather, or what have you. Um, but we didn't run our re- four by four until we got to um, to the Mount SAC weekend, which is the second week of April. Wow. And then we did run a B team um, two weeks later, and then the conference team. Um, and then, you know, I knew we could run 335. I thought 335 was enough to win it. It wasn't, San Diego State had a little bit more. Um, And I told the girls, you know, the women that I work with, going into it, that we could run faster. We could drop another two to four seconds. Um, And they did.
0: And that video says it all in this picture here, the celebration, what, uh, I mean, you've had a lot of celebrations in your time as a coach and an athlete, but where does that rank? That had to feel good last weekend in Sacramento.
1: Oh, yes, I mean, the agony of being (laughs) in heat one, and then having to go through the three That's right, you
0: had
2: to
1: wait. Yeah, we had to wait. And a a, a weird side note. The weird side note is that, you know, the university that we were battling with Iowa and Colorado, and Colorado ended up sneaking in underneath Mm -hmm. us, right? And um, the coach from Iowa and I are teammates from college. Oh, wow. And then the coach from Colorado, I coached him in, when I was at Northern Iowa. So, I mean, they got me this time, but <laughs> I've I've got something for them. Yeah, a little rivalry
0: forming, I love yeah. that. So you guys head to Austin, Texas, where, National championship, ha- uh, those championships have recently been held there in a 2019 as well, and I know it was hot temperatures there. Just tell me the schematics and how you prep for this. You guys are going to be running in the 10 o'clock hour, 10 p.m. hour.
1: Yes, yes, it is. You know, there's going to be a shift. The good thing, though, is that at 10 p.m. start time, it seems like it'll be 8 p.m. Nevada time. Great so far. it won't. You know, be totally horrible in that respect, um if they're especially if there're delays and things of that nature. um we're gonna be shifting back our meal times and the way we run our day, and we're talking about it. but you know what, we're excited um, and we're ready to go throw down,
0: yeah. Well, you mentioned last year maybe not having quite the meet you wanted with Emily Costello, another chance to go back with the group of girls this time. What is it um, about the national meet that you want to stress to them about, you know, obviously enjoying the moment, but obviously wanting to compete? I mean, you've been there a bunch of times. What have you learned about prepping these athletes for that moment?
1: Yeah, um, well, that's it. It's it's like enjoying the moment, but don't spend too much time remembering and reminiscing on what happened before Mm -hmm. because you do have something ahead. Um, this week, going into our practices, I said, "Look, we still have time to give." We looked at the video of the 4x4. We looked at what things where we need to improve on and what we can do. And you know, we've talked about it, and they they all know it, right? It's also them knowing it. And then I just wholeheartedly believe it. Of course, it helps to have some really good practices yeah. going into it, and we did. We just had another, I'm going to call it a historic practice yesterday and in preparation of you know getting, getting ready for that, especially that last 50 meters and being able to hold on and yeah. focus through it. So, you know, um, I'm a positive coach. Um, I believe in them. And I wrote this as a Facebook post that I thank my athletes for believing the crazy lady who said you can do it. And that's the part of it, right? It's believing in it, it's buying into the whole process. And, you know, right now they are, and our goal is to try to make it to Saturday. We wanna be first team All-Americans. Don't know if it's gonna happen, but we're gonna give it our best shot.
0: How cool. Um, as we, I guess, t- take me into the days leading up to when you're gonna race and how hard you go and, and how much you kinda have to balance things out, because I'm sure there's a science to it.
1: It is, it is, I try to, you know, if I'm gonna do a really hard session, I try to give it seven to 10 days, okay. um, you know, coming off the, comp- uh, off the preliminary round Um, and definitely Emily running what, um, some four, let's see, three, four races with the prelims on one day and then the 200 and then the four by four, just making sure they have some recovery, rest and recovery time, Um, you know, and then we pick it back up again. So, we'll have a semi-harder session session on um, Monday and then it's just kind of like a fine tune, relax, get used to the facility, Um, you know, make it our home, make it our own kind of thing. The good thing is, is that both Carolyn from U-M, which her days at UMKC, she's been to um, Texas, Austin, and uh, Emily. When COVID hit and California was shut down, we spent a lot of time competing in the state of California. So she's run the Open Four there. Um, so I. I You know, we've been talking about two-stepping our way all the way to Texas. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just trying to, you know, even though it's a great moment, it's a historic moment, but just trying to play it down but have fun with it and keeping it in perspective, right? We can do what we can do, and that's all we can do.
0: So, of course, the Wolfpack season is not done yet because you guys continue into June. So, all eyes are on this 4x400 team, first ever to make Nationals, the last relay team you were coaching that squad in 2013. So, we got to go back 10 years to that 4x100 team. So, like you said, these moments don't come around all that often when you talk about a relay group. So, there's something to be said about cherishing what you guys have accomplished up until this point. I guess just for you, and now Season 19 with the Silver and Blue, what is your time in Reno meant and being able to kind of uh, help craft some of these great athletes?
1: Uh, you know, it, it's been an amazing ride. Um, you know, some ups, some downs, some twists, some turns, and ebbs and flows. And in all of that, you know, the thing is, is that how much impact did you make with your student athletes? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spending time, getting them not only to buy into the program you have, but getting them to believe that they can do great things, and seeing that come to fruition. Um, you know, you know. What I do think, though, is that this is just the start of the next few years uh-huh. um, of things to come. We've, had a good, we've got a good, solid recruiting class. Got to give props up to my assistant, Scott Williamson, and all of his efforts to you know, get us some um, top-notch um, you know, star recruits to come in here and help us move the program forward. But still, it's like getting everybody to buy in, um, but just making that impact right getting people Mm -hmm. to see things that they didn't always see and to believe in the process and then see it come to fruition i mean you send people into the world like that they can achieve anything
0: yeah that has to be so gratifying as a coach and as a former competitor yourself how hard is it you've done it a bunch of times now but how hard is it especially when you get to this stage to just have to watch from the side and know that you've hopefully done everything you can to prepare them but at that point it's out of your control
1: Yeah, there's been times when I would say, oh, I wish I I could just go back to my 21-year-old self and go do it for them. Um, But yeah, the flip-flopping, you know, Emily said on Saturday when she came down for us to leave to the hotel lobby, she said, you look nervous, Coach Twiggs. And I was like, (laughs) oh, I thought I did a good job of hiding that, but obviously I did not. Um, But you know what? It's kind of easy at this point, right? because we've just laid a great foundation and everybody is still willing to work. Now that doesn't mean that I do nothing, right? I'm still talking, I'm still encouraging, I'm still trying to create, figure out how I can gain two more seconds and how I can get them to believe in that we can get two more seconds off of this relay, right? And so that's still a process, I'm still actively involved in that and I'm glad that they're open to allowing me to do that. Um, You know, one of our models all year has been to show up and show out and they've been doing it. They did it indoors in the four by, one, four, by four, winning the conference championships yeah. out of the slow heat. I mean, that was also historic by, by Nevada. And we just keep coming at it. When you look at the race, we just keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. And that's what we're gonna do again.
0: Well, and the girls have been here today too, and they just seem to have such a great camaraderie with themselves and with you. So I'm sure that is also lending itself to the success on the track. Any final words, Coach Twigs, before we send you off to Austin for that Thursday night race?
1: Uh, go pack.
0: Go pack. Nothing else needs to be said. She is Nevada track and field coach Chantelle Twiggs off to Austin and the NCAA championships coach from all of us at Nevada Sportsnet. Best of luck to you guys. Thank you. All right, go get them. We're back right after this on NSN Daily. <laughs> Welcome back to NSN Daily. Chris and Mike chilling on a Friday. Game one of the NBA Finals last night in Denver. Nuggets at their first ever NBA Finals. Heat at their seventh. The Nuggets after sweeping the Lakers with nine days off. Miami, of course, playing a game seven earlier this week in Boston. It showed from the Mile High City. 104-93 Nuggets. Probably wasn't even that close. Another triple-double for Nikola Jokic. 27 points. 10 rebounds, 14 assists. Jamal Murray, 26 points, 10 rebounds. Aaron Gordon had a huge start to this game. And after he was nearly the East Finals MVP, Caleb Martin going one for seven, hitting just one shot for three points. And uh, Max Struess 0 for 9 from three. Tough night for the Heat as Chris. The Nuggets just looked poised they looked poised and they look poised to get this thing done
2: yeah I mean I had the Nuggets winning in five games before this thing started and nothing about that game changed (laughs) my mindset on that the Nuggets looked like what they've looked like for most of the season the best team in the NBA and Miami unfortunately kind of reverted to what we saw in the regular season didn't hit some open threes got down early they tried to scrap back in the fourth quarter but the hole too big and Denver certainly outclassed them we'll see if they can make it a series but Denver seems like they are destined to win this championship that's the
0: thing They've been kind of that juggernaut all year that not as many people were talking about because they hadn't shown that they can get to this stage. But when you look at the way that team has been built and the players that they've developed and, of course, Jamal Murray coming over the, off of his ACL injury, missing a whole season, they stuck with him, and that has proven to be certainly worthwhile. And I still go back to Jokic, who we can talk a lot about, mm-hmm. being drafted 41st overall <laughs> during a Quesarito Taco Bell commercial. I don't think we'll ever shake that. That uh, storyline, as well as that youth photo they like to show of him as the nice little pudgy kid in Serbia. But this guy, if they pull this off, he's. Ar- he's, there's no argument he's the best player in the NBA.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, he's the back-to-back MVP entering this year. He should have won it this year. I thought he was better in Joel Embiid. Yeah. I think they like to kind of share that. But in terms of overall dominance, you said it was basically a, a quiet, almost 30-point triple double, and it was. He had like five shots through the first three quarters. That's this real. guy can absolutely dominate a game without shooting the basketball. To me, it reminds me a lot of the seven seconds or less uh, Phoenix Suns with Steve uh. Nash, because they play fast. They move the ball uh, you know, with electric pace. But the guy orchestrating it all is not Steve Nash, a six-foot, you know, four-point guard. It's a seven-foot center. So how do you slow that down? I know the Heat tried to throw some zone at the Nuggets, but you just put Nikola Jokic in the middle of that, and he'll get good shots for his teammates. So Miami is a resilient team. They're going to fight back. They're certainly not going to quit. But given how the Nuggets play offense and the length they have on defense, which certainly disrupted Caleb Martin and Max Struess, I just don't see how they win this series. You know, it is just one game, but you can look at the history of this rivalry or series. Miami has not won a game at Denver since November 2016. In Miami's starting lineup for that game, Luke Babbitt. So it's been a long time since they were able to actually go out there and win that game. Denver's starting point guard in that game in 2016 was Jameer Nelson. Feels like he's been retired for like a decade. So (laughs) they're going to have to win a game in Denver to win this series. I don't even know if they win a game, period. I know it's easy to kind of look at one game and you know over uh, analyze over exaggerate what's gonna happen certainly Miami was coming off an emotional series and that probably led to a letdown in this game but it does seem like Denver is the class of this game
0: and the Nuggets now 9-0 and at home in the postseason it's funny you mentioned that 2016 lineup which that was a graphic that Center shared at the last time Miami won in Denver this was the starting lineup and it included Josh McRoberts <laughs> and it included the Nevada great Luke Babbitt I actually follow Luke on Instagram and he shared that post yesterday oh, nice. just to remind people like hey I did it too. I, I won in Denver. <laughs> I got it done in Denver when I was in the starting lineup. Pretty cool. Uh, before we hear from both head coaches, let's quickly talk about Caleb though. It wasn't just him struggling yesterday, but he nope. had this out of this world Eastern Conference Finals. He got the NBA countdown pregame interview yesterday with Stephen A. Smith and all those guys. Do you feel like maybe it was a little too much for him or do you feel like he's just kind of regressing a little bit? To the
2: yeah. Mean? I mean, it, probably more regressing to the mean. I mean, you look at what he did over the entire season. It wasn't shoot 60% from the field right. and 50% from three like he did in the Eastern Conference Finals. I do think Denver's Length is a different deal and he's probably put on the defensive scout of the Nuggets, whereas before, you don't got to r- really worry about Caleb Martin beating you. In, in the thought process of the coaches, he goes out and has a series like that, and you're like, we do have to slow this guy down. Certainly is Jimmy Butler. Behind that is Bam, but he is kind of their number three scorer. Yeah. We need to put a little bit more focus on him. You know, Certainly getting the attention puts more pressure on yourself as well. We'll see how he rebounds, but certainly not how he wanted to start this series. He will bounce back. He will have some good games, but it is interesting. When you become kind of a bigger star, bigger in the media, bigger in the series, you are gonna get more defensive attention. How do you adjust to that? Mm-hmm. You know, in this first game, not great, but I would say Miami missed a lot of open threes. That's the thing. It's not like these were super tough threes throughout the game. They did start to hit some in the fourth quarter. I think if they just hit their threes, they'll be okay. But this is not a team that hit threes until the playoffs so will you like you said the entire team regressed to the mean in terms of their distance shooting. that's
0: the thing and they shot a NBA playoff record low two free throws in a finals game so you know Miami that's gonna be a point of emphasis getting to the rim trying to get to the free throw line in game two which comes Sunday at five but first here are head coaches Michael Malone and Eric Spoelstra sounding off after game one
2: you know I reminded a group if they didn't know that Miami went into Milwaukee in
1: one game one they went into the garden in New York City one game one They won game one up in Boston. So uh, we did not want them coming in here, taking control of the series
2: on our court. To your point, uh, we've done a hell of a job all season long of protecting our home
0: court. I don't think we've lost a game at home in the playoffs as of yet. And uh, we know Sunday night's gonna be
2: a hell of a challenge. So proud of our guys for going out there and getting the win.
0: Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to go to school on it. Uh, You know, they're in a pretty good rhythm, you know, especially in that first half. Our disposition, the multiple efforts, um, the resolve in the second half was much better. Um, but you, know, uh, you get to this level, it, it has to be uh, complete games uh, of that kind of disposition. And even if you have that, you're not always going to win uh, you know, all the possessions that you want. Uh, but that's what you expect. You don't expect it to be easy when you get to this final round. Uh, this is a great challenge. Uh, it's going to require more. Um, we'll get to work and, um, and uh, you know, see what we can do better, um, what we can do harder, what we can do with more effort, what we can do with more focus, uh, et cetera. So game two Sunday again in Denver. Just looking now, Nuggets were minus nine yesterday, they're minus eight and a half on Sunday. So the odds makers don't like Uh, Miami's chances of getting out of there with a win. I did think
2: it was interesting, and Coach Malone mentioned this, calling Michael, not Mike, but uh, Miami has not trailed in a series in the playoffs until now. That's right. They won game one in all three of their first series. They really have not been put in a ton of pressure outside of that game seven back in Boston, they certainly showed up for that, but playing from behind has not been what this team has had to do that's this true. year. If they fall into a 2-0 hole, it'll be very interesting to see if the confidence level leaks just a little bit. We, we will see, but again, Nuggets and five was the pick, so I'll stick with that.
0: All right, we'll see. And yeah, Jimmy Butler got to pick it up a little bit, just 13 points in game one, furthering the argument that Caleb Martin was the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals.
2: Yeah, I gotta let that go.
0: But we'll put that together. He <laughs> got four of the nine votes, that's worth something. All right, coming up on Daily, a little puck talk Game one of the Stanley Cup Final set for Saturday in Las Vegas. What a scene. We'll get you ready next on NSN. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Time to do that hockey. Game one of the Stanley Cup Final coming up Saturday from T-Mobile in Las Vegas as the Golden Knights are back. On the biggest stage in professional hockey for the second time in their existence and again that existence hasn't been very long vgk was in the final in 2018 falling to the washington capitals back for more with a few leftovers on that team chris as they take on a Florida Panthers team that has surprised everyone. Just like the NBA, we get a one versus an eight mm-hmm. in the Stanley Cup final, should be a fun one.
2: Yeah, I think this one's gonna be a closer series. is basically even, Vegas a little bit favored. I'm right. sure those remaining players feel like some unfinished business from not being able to win in their inaugural season, but it does seem like the Panthers might be a team of destiny. They have played super well since coming back from 3-1 down against the Boston Bruins, which had the best regular season in NHL history. Since then, they've gone eight and one, almost swept Toronto, did sweep Carolina, and now they open up this thing On the road we'll see if that road success that they've seen really throughout the playoffs continues in vegas
0: yeah it's safe to say upending a boston bruins team that everyone had really penciled in as like a stanley cup final team if not the winner of the whole thing that obviously just catapulted them to have so much confidence and as an eight seed to sweep in the conference finals which is what they did over carolina i think that obviously says a lot so this is a little different than the one eight matchup In the NBA with Vegas also had a chance for a sweep, but then let Dallas creep back into that series. Golden Knights end up getting it done in six games. So again, it's the opposite storyline once again from the NBA, whereas the eight seed had to work to get there. The one seed was hanging out. It's a little bit of a different story as Florida, well rested, heads to Las Vegas. Here are two holdovers from that 2018 Western Conference final champion Golden Knights team, talking about the difference between that first run and now here in 2023. I think our team's more mature than what we were, you know, that first year. No one was expecting us, and, you know, kind of showed up there, and, you know, we, we took the opportunity, but I think, you know, this team wants to win, right? So there will never be a, you know, finish until we raise that cup. So uh, I, I kind of got that feeling where, you know, the boys, it's just tonight's just another series, you know, it's another way through, it's, it's not the end of the path. So I got kind of that feeling where the boys really want more. here. That first year was just kind of a whirlwind, um, and, um, you know you've never been there before um, everything was just kind of flowing and I don't know um, maybe you took it for granted a little bit back then um, now what is it five six years later there's been ups and downs and, and you realize that you know this opportunity doesn't come around uh, too often so um, I think maybe that's the, the biggest difference. I think back to that 2017-2018 season and obviously first year of existence that Vegas just rallied around the Golden Knights as their own team and Mm -hmm. there's been such great atmospheres inside of T-Mobile. Uh, but for them to make it to the final, I just remember thinking, this is unbelievable to think an expansion franchise has a chance to win the whole thing. Felt like they were playing with house money, if if you will, uh, as the team from Vegas. Not able to get it done, but that was such a successful year, obviously. Oh, it
2: was, and I think, like you said, it kind of set the fan base expectations super high, and we can be really good, and we can win championships. Didn't quite do it. They lost to the Washington Capitals. It was the year of Alexandro Ovechkin, right. who had never won one before. No matter what happens in this series, it will be the first time one of these two franchises wins the Stanley Cup. You had the Panthers make it in 1996, had not been back since, and obviously the second time in for the Knights. So I think that's cool, and I think it shows how hockey has grown. You have a team from Las Vegas, and a team basically from Miami, I think more of Fort Lauderdale, playing for the Stanley Cup championship, and I'm sure those people in Canada are saying, Vegas and Miami, why can't we get a championship? (laughs) Haven't had one up there in Canada since 1993.
0: That's incredible to think. And yeah, like you said, two warm climate teams playing for Lord Stanley's Cup starting Saturday game one. Let's talk a little prop bets, shall we? Why not? We like to make money here on NSN <laughs> Daily. Matthew Kachuk has just been incredible yeah. for Florida, but he's plus money to score a goal in game one, plus 155 to get just one goal.
2: Yeah, nine goals in 16 playoff games. He scored in every playoff game in the previous series. A great trade in the offseason for them. They got him from Calgary, which didn't want to resign him to a long-term contract. So I think if you look at those numbers, nine goals in 16 games, it would tell you to bet against that, but I'm yeah. going to bet for it. I want to bet... For a goal, so I'm going to say yes. Uh, I'll take the plus 155 and say he's going to put one in the back there.
0: That's net. almost like when you take an under, like in a basketball game. Like you don't yeah. want to just root for guys to so keep missing, right? Like, <laughs> you know, unless it's like a really crazy number, then maybe you jump on it. All right. Uh, next, Jack Eichel on the other side, over a half an assist, plus, one, plus 102. So does Eichel. Uh, get that old hockey I assist. think
2: again the stats would tell you no. 12 assists in 17 playoff games, so more often than not he has not had an assist in the game, so I will go on the under on this one playing those numbers. Okay, no assist for Jack in game one Saturday. How about Sergei Bobrovsky there in net
0: 29 plus Saves. that's actually a relative big favorite at minus 136. Yeah, I
2: will take the over on that one. Uh, more often than not, Florida has actually been outshot in these playoffs. He's averaging 33.6 saves per game. So that is about four saves above that number. He has been absolutely phenomenal this yeah. year. And the last, uh, in the entire playoffs, he has 18 saves above expected. So there's some advanced stats will tell you, okay, given where the shot comes from and all this stuff, should it be a goal or not? He has saved 18 shots that should have been goals and not allowed as many in. So I think he does hit that over. I think Vegas does outshoot Florida. So I'm going to take the over on
0: that. 18 of those. That's incredible. All right. Last one. Team or I guess the game over under is five and a half goals scored. So you have a rested Florida team. You have a Vegas team at home. Is that the recipe for a lot of scoring? Yeah, I'll
2: take the under. I'll go a three 2 win. I'm not going to say who's going to win. we'll, we'll say uh, we'll say Vegas in this one. But All you right. have Aiden Hill playing really well on net for Vegas. <laughs> Sergei Bobrovsky, as we just talked about, has been phenomenal for Florida. So I think they do keep it under the five and a half
0: goals. All right. But just by the hook there, just by one. so that's a good number then for <laughs> Chris Murray. Five and a half. All right. There's your prop bets for game one of the Stanley Cup final, which is coming up again Saturday in Las Vegas. Vegas, Watch News 4 Saturday at 11 and we'll have coverage from Sin City following Game 1. Coming up next on NSN Daily, we're actually going to stick around in Southern Nevada. Maybe you heard Formula 1 rolling into town this uh, fall. It's going to be a pretty penny if you want to be a part of the festivities. We're going to break that down for you next on NSN Daily. We're back on a Friday. Maybe you've heard... Las Vegas is turning into a heck of a sports town. They even have Major League Baseball's worst franchise (laughs) heading their way. The Oakland A's, soon to be the Las Vegas A's. But we want to talk about what's coming up November 16th through 18th. We learned a while ago that Formula One was going to roll into Las Vegas. Chris, this is a simulated a look at what that track and race could look like this is something that obviously folks have been so excited for
2: yeah and we had the people putting on the race in here last month i mean it seems super exciting it's one of only three stops in the united states also in austin also in miami so this was the one place in america that they really wanted to check off the box. This will be the inaugural race in las vegas down the strip and it should be a spectacular event
0: oh my gosh cannot wait to watch that but i will be watching on television because (laughs) producer jared brosnan doing some digging today mgm has its whole little three-day all-inclusive package that you can purchase. Of course, it comes with a hotel room. It comes with tickets. Also, some amenities, uh, all-inclusive in terms of food and drink and things like that. Oh, but you're looking at over $11,000, Chris. So, yeah, there's a lot of money in Formula One.
2: Uh, there is a lot of money in Formula One. I actually did some Google searching yeah, here. it turns went...
0: out that MGM might be the budget yeah, option. Yeah,
2: that might be the budget option because there is a story here on WTF1.com which uh, covers the F1 Formula 1 races, and there is something called the Emperor Package at a Caesar's Palace. Only $5 million, but you do get a three-bedroom space villa with a terrace suite above the Las Vegas Strip that can fit up to 75 people. Okay, you you can split the costs. Yeah, 12 tickets to the paddock, (laughs) which is kind of the behind the scenes of the racing. Uh, You also get a Rolls Royce and personal driver for your entire stay, choice of spa service for six guests uh, with a VIP host, and tickets to see Adele. So only $5 million for that package. I'll tell you what, the tickets to Adele might
0: push me over the edge (laughs) to try to find people. So you split that between Seventy-five people, we're talking 66K each, uh,
2: but you only get 12 tickets oh, to the only, Panic, though. Yeah, I know, so that's very that's very difficult. So what's happening? Not you're, everybody
0: can go to the race or what? You're going to have
2: a lot of unhappy friends there. 60, Five million 60 going 12 ways, friends. you're talking
0: 416,000, so uh, somebody's going to buy it. How much it. for a media badge? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we can get some media credentials. I, I
2: really want to send Shannon down there. Shannon Kelly from Las She's Vegas. She's our Vegas Bureau Parents reporter. still live down there. <laughs> I think it'd be really cool if we could have some kind of a presence down there and just kind of try and take you behind what that event and spectacular is going to be, but certainly uh, we can ask the bosses, can we split the $5 million package I mean, among NSN there's employees? There's going
0: to be, yeah, I don't know about that.
2: <laughs> there's going to be media coming from all over the world, so oh, you yes. know they got to give preference to the teams,
0: or the, the media teams, the media uh, stations in Nevada. So, hey, I like that idea. I think she
2: could actually get in there.
0: Might have to get some credentials yeah. lined up. Gotta we'll, work on it now. We'll bring the desk down there. We'll do our <laughs> show down there. No, that would be pretty epic. <laughs> Cannot wait for Formula One and that EA simulation was so cool too. Again, coming into Vegas. November 16th through 18th going to be a lot of money spent that weekend. Looking forward to that. All right, coming up uh, up next on NSN Daily, it was a big decision made yesterday to air the spelling bee at the same time as Game 1 of the NBA Finals, (laughs) splitting up the viewership. We're going to introduce you to the winner, and Chris and I are going to try our hand at nailing some of these words. We'll see about that next on NSN Daily. Back on NSN Daily as Robbie Snellin continues to impress with Lake Elsinore in the San Diego Padres organization yesterday, five innings, eight strikeouts, just one earned run. The lefty, I know a lot of Padres fans are looking down the farm system and excited about what he may bring to the big club in yeah, some years. Absolutely.
2: Eight starts, 4-0, 1.23 wow. ERA, 40 strikeouts and 36 and two-thirds innings. So he is living up to the hype. We'll see if he gets that bump up, uh, you know, as the season goes along to high A. Now currently throwing to a 16-year-old catcher, though. That's Just right. turned 17, but Ethan Salas was promoted within the organization. So that's got to be a very unique experience as well. But, Robbie, you never know how you're going to jump from high school to the pros. He has made a seamless transition actually has a better ERA, it would seem, against pro guys than against Northern Nevada guys, so he's been great.
0: Yeah, he's uh, certainly up to a heck of a start in his professional career. i got to give the Lake Elsinore social media team a little credit. They had a fun little tweet after his effort yesterday giving the Robbie Snelling definition. Robbie Snelling, noun, the ability to completely overwhelm with brilliance. Mm. Even used in a sentence. He went out there and threw like a Robbie Snelling. Similar, (laughs) supremacy, ascendancy, mastery that's pretty good twittering right there would oh you say? absolutely
2: you got to promote your guys and he <laughs> has been masterful and uh supreme so far so uh yeah excellent tweet and good to see them pumping up our guy from exactly
0: reading. and that beautifully leads us into the final note from today's nsn daily the spelling bee the champion dev shah of florida taking the title at the scripps national spelling bee thursday a cool 50k coming his way. Mm. And so now producer Jared Brosnan with 90 seconds left had an idea for us, Chris. He gave us each words to toss to the other that okay. were winning words. So I'm going to start with mine for you. You ready okay, for this? Okay, I'm ready. Samophile.
2: Samophile. Okay, this is illegal. I'm going to use a, a piece of paper. They're not allowed to do they that. They
0: like fake it on the back of their cards, right? Yeah. Samophile is an organism that prefers or thrives in sandy soils or
2: Areas. I'm gonna go S A M I P H I L E S A M I P H I L E. Did I get it right? Nope. It's one of those
0: silent P's at the start. P S A M M O, and then you got the N right. P H I
2: L E. Got three letters wrong. My Samophile. bad. Uh, That's a tough so one. I, I would have got the beep right on the first letter. Yeah, I didn't get yeah. yeah. S beep. Okay, I'm gonna give you your word now. Right. It is Systoricus. Cystoricus. A congenital defect of the vertebrae. Systoricus. I have a random
0: feeling there's a T at the beginning of this.
2: (laughs) I don't think. Okay, go ahead. Oh, you got the buzzer too. Dang
0: it. All right. No T. -T S-I-S-T-O-R-I-C-U-S. Systoricus.
2: S-C-H. Of course. I-S-T-O-R-R-H-A-C-H-I-S. You got the much harder one. Oh my
0: gosh. Was that the winning word, Jared? (laughs) Holy smokes. Okay. Well, this is why we like to talk sports. (laughs) He's Chris, I'm Mike, this was NSN Daily on a Friday. We'll see you again next week, friends.